Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. I am your host, Felipe, and with me, as always, is Austin Spiro. Austin, how are you doing this morning? I'm all right. Uh, the uh, sun has just peaked out over here in California, and uh, things are going good. Things are going good. Uh, well, that's great. Uh, it's uh, was supposed to be 50 today here in Chicago, and my wife just told me that there's going to be a high at 37, and I'm going to be outside all day. We're going to go to the zoo later for the kiddo for Christmas season. So that's why I'm uh, I'm all wintered up with the hoodie, with the new uh, baseball beanie that I bought yesterday at the mall. Um, and uh, no, nah, it's going to be another cold one today. Uh, but as I was telling you earlier, uh, before we got on the air, uh, even though I didn't get a lot of my Christmas shopping done last night, I did. You know what it is, Austin? I decided that this, this Christmas, I'm going to treat myself. And I sure as hell did. Like I said, I got the new beanie, the Cubs beanie. That I was able to find, because you know, as you know, I don't know if if if, um, if I complain about this to you or not. But before, I can never find any White Sox gear in the city. I don't know what the or where I live. I don't know what the hell. It's like the White Sox don't exist in in the stores that I I frequent. That's weird. Is there a shortage? I mean, you're an Angels fan. So you're like, I don't want to insult your team or yourself, but that's kind of like the second. Well, it might be different for you because you're 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 way out in the in the boonies. You're Oh, far away at, from LA County as possible. So yeah, maybe there's it, no shortages of LA Angel stuff, right? No, we can't. I can't find Angel stuff anywhere. Oh, so you can't either? Mine is Dodgers. There's Dodgers all over the place, but I can't find very many Angels. Um, you know, if you go to like the big chain stores, they'll have a little bit of a corner thing, but most of it is Angels or most of it is Dodgers. And it's always frustrating as an Angels fan. I'm like, yo, we do have two teams down here. Like, <laughs> And how about we share a little bit of the wealth? Okay, so it's it's the same thing with the Cubs and, and, and the White Sox fans tell me, oh, it's because they sold out. Like, no, no, that's not true. Because before the White Sox were bad, uh, got to be this good, I couldn't find anything. Not because they sold out. It's because it, they didn't have it in stock because they didn't. I, I have a, I, I'm convinced that they didn't realize that it was going to, that it would be a hot ticket item at this point, but I can't find it like at any of the big retail stores or, yeah or whatever. So I'm very disappointed. Like I said, as a cup fan, cause I root for both teams. I used to be able to find anything that I wanted, you know, from even when the team was good or bad, you know, if I wanted a Javier Baez t-shirt, I go get a Javier Baez t-shirt. Cause I'm a big Jersey collector, not a big one, but that's like my thing. Like I go to a store and I immediately start looking for those jerseys. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. It didn't matter. Contreras. It didn't matter. I could find one and I could find this stupid Cubs beanie. I could find a, a 2016 championship hat that I still wear every single day. And um, it's easy to find for the White Sox. I have to especially I have to make special orders and see what it is. You go to I like going to a store and seeing what I can find. Right. I'm like, right. you know, you ever see Gary Vaynerchuk go to like garage sales and see what he could find and whatever. Yeah. That's me when I go to these big chain stores, except that I'm not reselling anything. I just want it for myself. And I can't find, I can never find any, you know what I saw last night, Austin? I saw a Knicks, a pair of Knicks pants, like those sweat jogging pants. <laughs> I found that, but no white socks gear last night. And that just pisses me off. I don't know. Do, do, yeah, the do, only thing I could find for angels is Mike Trout stuff. But after that, you can't oh. find anything. Probably Shohei Otani. Now I haven't shopped for angel things in a while because normally now I just shop online, but, but most of the time when I go into a regular store, it's just, it's Mike Trout. And then that's it. Yeah, man, you want that Rysel Iglesias one, man. You want the David Fletcher jerseys that you're looking for, aren't you? The T-shirt. Hey, I'd be, I'd be okay with David Fletcher. <laughs> I want. Well, if Ryan is still on, uh, I wonder if the Mets fans uh, feel the same way about New York uh, in terms of like Mets versus Yankees gear. 
at when you go to like a normal big chain store or whatever or like a re, uh like a marshall's or like that's where i went to i went to marshall's to look for a reduced price uh franchise uh major league baseball uh gear i guess i wonder if the mets fans feel the same way that white Sox fans and angels fans like you and i experience when we go to these stores vince uh, is watching so i want to know uh, if, if well, Vince is. You know, how does it feel to reap in the benefits and to buy Yankees gear whenever he wants, even though he doesn't live in New York? Well, yeah, neither does Ryan. So that's, that's the other thing, right? I mean, it's so it's going to be harder for them, even as, as Florida natives of New York team. So that's kind of curious. But it, Yankee stuff is everywhere. I just told you about the Knicks, the Knicks pair of pants that I found. So it, New York travels well, I guess, unless you're the Mets. Yeah, it's you're you got to be the Yankees. Got to be the Yankees, the big the big papa of all the Major League Baseball franchises. So Yankees ruin everything. Yankees ruin every fucking Yankees. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well, I, I, I like I said, I was cheating myself last night and I was able to go to a bookstore, which is like the worst thing that can happen in my Christmas shopping. And I was able to get not one, not two, but three, three baseball books to add to my collection. You know, I, I don't know if you can see the other books on behind me, but there's a Dirk Hayhurst. Uh, one of his uh, many autobiographies there, along with Bret Hart and Terry Pudo's Loose Balls, where I'm going to have this one join in the mix. It's Moneyball. Michael Lewis's Moneyball. I finally got it. I finally got a copy of it. Now that I'm now that I'm paying attention, I have that. <laughs> I have that somewhere. I don't know. where. I have that somewhere. You have that somewhere. Well, now I have it in my hands. Uh, maybe I'll let you borrow it one day. <laughs> just pay the shipping cost the next book i got is a roberto clemente uh, biography that i was able to find for like five bucks uh, maybe i overpaid but it's fine it's roberto clemente roberto clemente five bucks is i do i throw five bucks at roberto clemente yeah because you, you never know what you if you'll ever find something like this at the at the uh at the dollar store it's right. the passion and grace of baseball's last hero by david moranis um he also authored When Pride Still Matter, A Life of Vince Lombardi, because, you know, you got to talk about the big names to sell books. But right. the one I'm most proud of is this one about the Oakland A's. So we got the Oakland A's in the early 2000s and this one, the swinging A's of the 1970s. This one's called Dy The Dynastic Bombastic Fantastic. Uh, oh, it just says that. But it's about the Oakland A's, Reggie, Raleigh, Catfish, and Charlie Finley's Swinging A's of the 1970s by Jason Turbo. Uh, who's also the author of the baseball codes, whatever that means. I don't know what that book is, but uh, yeah, I can't wait to read that. This is the one I'm looking forward to the most because uh, I'm always curious about the 1970s Oakland Athletics team, um, which is uh, it's one of the more uh, unheralded rival uh, dynasties of that era because of, of how it ended. People kind of tend to forget about that. A lot of those players ended up going to the New York Yankees and actually ignited their championship run in the late 70s as well anyway getting distracted here uh, a bunch yeah, of people the book that i'm gonna buy i think normally i don't buy uh books um i we just talked about it i'm not a huge like reader um even though i am a teacher i'm not a huge reader in the off time yeah. but um one book that i am going to get i think is is titled how baseball happened uh it mm. was it was published in september 2020 um basically it's a it's a baseball history book and uh, it is written by Thomas Gilbert. And okay. uh, this, this book just so happened to have won the, uh, the Casey award. Oh, which, wow. 
Yeah, for those of you who don't who don't know what the Casey Award is, it's basically an award that's given out once a year to the best baseball book of the year. Um, and how baseball happened was the winner. Um, it was the most recent winner. It's written by Thomas Gilbert, and um, I'm going to read it because uh, Mr. Gilbert just so happened to have followed my podcast Round Trippers on uh, on Twitter. So I'm going to give him a read. And so that uh, I can be more versed in his work as he's following mine. So there you go. See that. See for all the bloggers. I think Vince just put up a post earlier this week, which I'm really happy he did because it's. Uh, turns out nobody listens to me. You know, I, I do these long-winded, you know, rules and, and and explanations as to how to do things, and no one listens to me. But so maybe Vince will get a better uh, crack at it. But I noticed that the amount of uh, people asking if they can post their, their blogs or whatever on our baseball life group have gone down a little bit. So, but that's how it works, guys. You know, it's a tit for tat, quid pro quo. This guy was able to follow Austin's podcast. So he bought his, he's going to go out, buy his book and check out his book or whatever and read his book and read his uh, work. And that's how it works. It's an exchange of ideas, right? You just don't, you know, you don't just post something and, and hope for the best. No, you, you, you participate in others' work. You participate in others' uh, baseball ideas and posts. And you get a what they call a, a network going. Matter of fact, I believe that's how Austin got to be on this podcast. Pretty much. Oh my God. You tell me something. Interacting in works. baseball life started my podcast and then got to talking to Felipe. And now I, I I gobbled him up on my podcast. So that's it. That's how this worked. <laughs> uh really quick. Ryan did say that here down in Florida, uh, maybe I'll find one Mets hat at lids but uh, it's always a bunch of yankee stuff so yeah so that that uh, kind of uh, confirms our theory about that out here uh, in california too it's either dodgers or yankees a lot oh of it god yankees ruining baseball <laughs> um fami who's from springfield illinois uh is saying something about new york that i don't want to repeat because i already used my first f-bomb today <laughs> and um He's kind of not insulted, but he's kind of up enraged about the other guy who wrote about the Vince Lombardi book. Come on, Lombardi, that red ass bastard. So there he is. <laughs> Vince Lombardi, red ass bastard. All right. Well, that was fun. I'll see you guys next week. That was a good show. Bye. No, um, we're here to talk about uh, ESPNs since, you know, there's a lockout going. There's really nothing going on, unfortunately, because of the lockout. But it's like I always tell people there's always something to talk about. Uh, in terms of baseball, right? Baseball doesn't stop for anything or anybody. So we decided to uh, take a look at the worldwide leader of entertainments and sports, uh, ESPN, and see Tristan Cockroft, who's a renowned uh, fantasy baseball writer. He always has uh, the top 50 at every position, including infield, uh, well, mostly for infielders, right? Because that's where we're going we're gonna to focus on that today. So we're going to see if we could find, you know, one player in the top 12 of each position to see if they're going to be a bust. And then from 13 to 25, we're going to see if uh, we can find someone who's going to be a, a sleeper. And then from 20, from 26 to, uh, to uh, the 50th ranked player on each position, we're going to see if we can find a really deep sleeper, like guys who not most of us would know about, you know, you know what I mean? Just that's why it's called a deep sleeper. Yeah. Just, somebody uh, that you would know about that is probably worth a look or drafting on your team maybe yeah. not necessarily a starter but someone who's gonna you know what it is it, it's it's a guy that you're gonna be drafting for august and september not necessarily yeah. for april and may that those guys yeah, so that sure. something that i have to uh improve within myself because uh um i'm really good about drafting for may june july 
But then you get to that point in August and September where those guys, those horses that you were counting on, um, they get into those late season slumps or they get injured or they get traded. And now they, instead of becoming workhorses, they now become uh, complementary pieces to a contending team. All these variables and factors that can happen. So that's when these so-called deep sleepers, and again, they're not guaranteed to do anything, but you know, worth, worth a kick of the tires, you know what I mean? To see if, um, if they can uh, produce for your teams, your fantasy teams very late in the season guys to keep an eye on, on the waiver wire even. So, so let's start with catcher. Uh, let's start with the bust. You have Travis Darno at number nine. I have Mike Zunino at number 10. Uh, let's start with Darno because he's ranked higher. Uh, what, that's a shocker that I, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting to see Travis Darno on this list. Why do you have him there? So Travis Darno for me, he was a very good, he, he had a very good offensive season. Um, I looked at a number of things. I kind of looked at the projections. I looked at, um, you know, I looked at what they did this season. I kind of looked at in the past, but one thing that I did look at, and I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times. Um, I think this all ball number that's um, you know, that I've been championing for the last uh, few weeks or month here um, would also be useful for fantasy. And when you look at the all ball number um, the top 10 for catchers is real Muto Smith, Vasquez, Contreras, Narvaez, Salvador Perez, Tyler Stevenson, Dalton Varsho, Yasmani Grandal, Yadier Molina. Um, Travis Darno is uh, 41st oh, wow. in all catchers in terms of all ball. He's in the bottom 10 in big ball, meaning he's, you know, he's in the bottom 10 for catchers and hitting for extra base hits, um, driving in RBIs and things like that. Um, and he's in the bottom 10 in small ball, which is hitting for singles and sacrifices and uh, getting stolen bases. So a combination of those two drives his average down really, uh, really quickly. Now, so I don't think he's as valuable as some fantasy experts think he is. Um, I could be proven wrong because he had a good offensive season, but I tend to think that he will um, – drive that he won't have as good of an offensive season this year yeah Travis Arnold is a, a tricky one uh because he's always had that potential to be a really really good hitting catcher he showed that in 2020 albeit a, a very shortened season although last year was also a shortened season but that's because of uh I believe it was a thumb injury that ended his year last year uh prematurely uh, but, uh, you know, he's always shown glimpses of, uh, especially once he got to the Braves of being a very good, consistent hitting catcher. So we'll see if the all ball metric uh, comes to fruition. I still have a little hope, although I don't, maybe there is something to that. Cause I have no idea how he's going to become, how he's going to react from a surgical repair, uh, hand injury, arm injury, whatever. I can't remember if it was a thumb injury. You mind looking that up, what that injury was, uh, while, while I'm, uh, gibbering here. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, the rate stat, the slash line was pretty poor to begin with in 2021. So he was already a bust last year. Uh, it was at 220, 284, 388. So maybe you're on the right path with, um, with your findings there. Um, but you know, he is going to be turning 33 next, uh, next year to start out. It was his thumb. It was his, th- oh boy. Uh, does, well, I guess it doesn't matter if it's left or right. Um, does it show which hand it was? Let me look. This is on CBS Sports. Oh, okay. Uh, May 2nd, 2021. 60-day injured list. Express, express great concern. 
mm-hmm. for the injury. It seems pretty serious. It doesn't say which hand it's on. Uh, okay. Well, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it just if it's his left hand, you know, because he's a right-handed hitter, right? Yep. Uh, that's going to sap a lot of his power because that's that's usually that the, the hand that kind of leads the ball and drives it into the gaps. His left it. thumb. Oh. <laughs> I mean, either way, it's it's bad, you know. But for fantasy purpose, it's worse if it's the it's if it's the the lead hand because that's the hand that that's supposed to drive in the power to the gaps into the, yeah. to the, to the fences and into the stands. So uh, that was his one thing that he could do was say, Hey, he's a, he can get you 15, 16 home runs and, and get you a, a pretty good slugging percentage, which you would think that also translates into doubles and stuff of that nature. Another thing for Travis day, are no 7.4% walk percentage, which is not very high, especially if you're looking for um, if your league counts, uh, for walks, 23.1 strikeout percentage, um, his, and then if you want to look at his outside the strike zone swing percentage, oh, look at you. Yeah, I know. Right. Oh look my God. Me. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look for it. Cause for whatever reason, I'm not finding it. I moment. got it. I got it. Uh, I had it. There it is. Uh, what we're we looking at the outside the string, uh, outside the strike zone swing percentage. Yeah. He's always been an aggressive hitter. The last uh, three seasons, actually, uh, most of his career, he's been pretty aggressive. He's at 49% career swing percentage overall. And uh, he always goes above 30% for his career in terms of outside the swing, outside the strike zone swing percentage. So, um, yeah, uh, he does have 0.2% last year. Yep. I mean, it is down from 2020, but yeah. But uh, he also was hurt for a long, for a very long time last year. So that might not have been the full Travis Darno that we've gotten from. healthy amount of contact last year but that's pretty much it that's a that's that's a sneaky good one because mine is mike zunino as i mentioned and i mean if you thought travis darno has a problem with strikeouts zunino is like he he's he's just wow you wonder how could he be a productive hitter with a very alarming high strikeout rate last year was at 35 percent. he that's around his career 34.6 percent is his career norm uh, but, you know, you get a tra- uh, Mike Zunino because he can hit a lot of home runs. He hit 33 last year and not much else because uh, that means that he hurt your batting average to 16. And if you're in on-base leagues, he only got an on-base percentage of 301. So the one good saving grace about Mike Zunino is that he hits for a ton of power, a ridiculous amount of power. Uh, if you're in a points league, does that translate into doubles? No, it's like all or nothing for this guy. So that's... <laughs> it's just pretty funny how um how people are gonna have to depend on Mike Zunino uh, on the back end of that top 12 uh, catchers you know to continue to um get any types of productions uh from that position Mike Zunino's all ball number is good for 38th among or 36th I'm sorry amongst all catchers mm. in the top 10 in big ball so he's a home run hitter yeah. Top 10 in big ball, um, and but not. He's in the middle of the pack, closer to the bottom when it comes to small ball and mid ball. So same story as what you're saying. The all ball numbers are showing as well. Wow. All right. So there's something brewing here. Uh, but the one thing that we can say about Darno and Zunino is uh, something that I've been preaching this whole time is older is better at catcher. That seems to be that as they age, they figured out how to hit a little bit better. Uh, because now they have a good handle on the pitching staff that they're in. 
I will say this, though. Uh, I don't want to deal too much with this. Uh, but in the top 12, however, it, it's it's worth noting, Austin, they have Dalton Varsho, uh, Kyber Reese uh, from the Nationals, the former Dodgers farmhand, the, the top catching prospect. He was an uh, interesting pick. Yeah, Kyber Reese. And the last guy, Atlee Rushman. They're all in the top 12. So, you know, my thing, catching prospects, very risky. You, you don't know what you're expecting. We just talked about two of them right now, Zunino and Travis Darno, who used to be highly regarded catching prospects. And now they're, at this point, one-dimensional hitters at, the, at this point of their careers, but still a little bit more trustworthy than uh, an unknown catching prospect. Varsho, we know he comes with speed. Ruiz, he actually had a pretty decent, uh, from what I remember, I, I forgot if it was tri- uh, his uh, minor league numbers or his uh, – part-time stints with the Nationals, but he might be someone of interest to keep an eye on, although he is ranked number eight. That's a little bit too high for him. But that's how we catcher is, so you, you get what you can get. And last guy before I see to you, Austin, Atley Rushman, who's supposed to be an uber prospect, not just a very good catching prospect, but one of the best prospects in all of baseball, period, regardless of position, with a very good hit tool and everything. So those are three young catching prospects you, you might not have a choice but to keep an eye on and maybe even overdraft. Uh, because uh, catching is once again weak again this year. Yep. And now you have three youngsters who snuck into the top 12 of this list. So what were we going to say there? Uh, so you were talking about older is better. The top 10 in the all ball. Number mm-hmm. one, JT Real Muto. He's a little older. Number two, Will Smith. He's on the younger side. He's on the younger side. Yeah. Um, number three, Christian Vazquez. He's in his 30s. <laughs> number four, Wilson Contreras. He's in his 30s. Yep. Number five, Omar Narvaez in his 30s. Yep. Number six, Salvador Perez. Number seven, Tyler Stevenson. He's a younger guy. Yeah. Number broke eight. Out last year. Number eight, Dalton Varsho. Number nine, Yasmani Grandal. Oh. And number 10, Yadier Molina. There's a there's a trend here, you guys. There's a trend. There's a trend. This is ironic because the league was supposed to be getting younger, and it turns out it's the opposite in certain positions. Speaking of Tyler Stevenson, he's my sleeper at number 15th ranked on Tristan Cockroft's um, rankings here. Uh, he had a pretty good year last year, uh, Stevenson did. Uh, that That's a guy that Sean, um, my other podcast partner, was uh, heralding throughout the year. And it looks like he's going to be the sole catching person in Cincinnati. No more split-time duties with Tucker Barnhart. Thank God, because Tucker Barnhart was just a waste of space there. Uh, but in 132 games last season, he had 10 home runs. Tyler Stevenson did. Did a good job of getting walks, limiting his strikeouts, 366 on base percentage, uh, just a 111 WRC plus. So he did 11% better than league average last year. Um, just, just a good player that you want to just, that's a guy you want to just sneak into your top 10, top 12 uh, cheat sheets. Because if you, I, I feel like by the time we get to March and for those drafts, Austin, uh, he's gonna be gone, man. He, he he. The arrow should be pointing up for this guy. I don't know why Tristan didn't put him up uh, as a arrow up guy, but I believe unless the Reds do something really stupid and not give this guy all the bats that he can handle at next year, this is the next guy that is going to uh, surprise some people uh, for 2022. Uh, plate discipline numbers are fantastic. I mean, there's a lot to love about Tyler Stevenson. He's ranked number what, what did I say? 15th. Yeah, number 15. Yes. That's I, if I if I were doing my cheat sheet right now, I I would just shoot him up into the top ten right now. Yeah, um, I I thought that was a good pick. Um, 
when I did this exercise, I tried to pick uh, players that were not yours because you started before me. Um, yeah. And Tyler Stevenson would have been my pick if you didn't pick beforehand. Um, but with with that being said, um, because you did do Tyler Stevenson, I went with uh, somebody else. Um, Tyler Stevenson is ranked uh, in the all ball. He's ranked uh, ninth, seventh, eighth. He's eighth. Um, and then the, my guy that I picked is just a little outside the top 10 at 12th is, and my pick is number uh, is the number 12 guy on the list, uh, Carson Kelly. Um, and the reason why I picked Carson Kelly is because when you look at some of these guys, you look at Yadier Molina, he's getting old. This is his last, this is his swan song of a season. I don't think he's going to be as good this year. So there's a bump up there. Omar Narvaez is a good hitting catcher, but I'm not sure where he's going to be at. So um, I could see Carson Kelly kind of going up a little bit there. Um, Christian Vasquez, I'm never sure what he's going to do <laughs> because he's a he's a good defensive catcher, but I picked him up two years ago and he bombed. And then this year seems like he did pretty good offensively. So I don't trust his consistency. So that would be another. So you're looking at Carson Kelly may sneak in as a, top 10, you know, close to a top five catcher. You're not concerned. You're, you're, I'm sorry. I have to ask. You're not concerned about Dalton Varshall being on that team as well uh, for the Diamondbacks. I mean, Dalton Varshall can also play outfield. the outfield. Yeah. So he may, he may get some time in the outfield, whereas Carson Kelly doesn't. So, you know, there's, there's a little more positional flexibility with Dalton Varshall. Uh, last year, I just opened up my my rankings from March of uh, this uh, past year, 2021, uh, talking about Tyler Stevenson uh, being the 15th ranked uh, hitting catcher in terms of fantasy. Tyler Stevenson, last uh, coming into this 2021 season, was my 31st ranked catcher. So uh, lots of things can happen, man. It's, it's the it's the beauty of doing this uh, activity is that you're seeing the. Uh, the guys who are climbing all the way, who are rocketing to the top and the guys who are dipping down. Um, and uh, go ahead. What's next on the agenda here? You got Carson Kelly. Carson Kelly was 14th uh, coming into this season, and he's kind of staying in that mid-tier position, so to speak. Uh, you got Pedro Severino as your deep sleeper at number, as the 30th ring catcher, according to Tristan Cockruff. Um, so as you, I mean, I feel like the Orioles always have like, too many catchers, and now you got Atley Rushman coming up. Uh, that's not a concern for you at the moment? Um, I don't think so because we've been seeing, you know, oh, Adley Rushman is coming up for the past few years, and he hasn't. Um, and, you know, if teams follow, you know, certain stats and, you know, kind of look at the trends, Pedro Severino in terms of the all-ball number just falls out of the top 10. Oh, my God. Hold the presses, hold the presses, hold the presses. Did he just did he sign with the Brewers? Yes. Oh my God! I thought he was still with the Orioles. I am so sorry, folks. Yeah, I just I I totally forgot about that too. I'm used to him being on the Orioles. Yes, he did sign with the Brewers. So yeah, that that leaves room for Adley Rutschman. But um, I mean, yeah, Willie Adamas had a good season um, when going back over to the Brewers, and the Brewers mm -hmm. need some sort of uh, you know, they need some sort of offensive pickup. Um, so maybe Pedro Severino is, is that guy. Um, but yeah, in terms of all ball, Pedro Severino is 11th and he's number 30 in terms of the fantasy rankings. I think he's going to be better than what his ranking says. Now, he had a really good, uh, uh, a pretty surprising 2020 season. He kind of 
not break out, but he kind of uh, caught the attention of a lot of people. Uh, even in 2019, he was uh, he hit for a 420 slugging percentage in 2019, and he was uh, doing enough to garner at bats and plate appearances uh, in Baltimore with the Brewers. He's now a backup catcher uh, with Omar Narvaez, who you just mentioned. They were both uh, hit 11 home runs last year. Um, but, 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 what are the 2022 projections here? Narvaez, 10 home runs. Severino, 7 home runs. One stolen base. But uh, pretty similar. So, yeah, you might see a, a true 50-50 split here with the two of them there. Um, and, and the if- thing is, even with the 50-50 split, you could be getting some production out of some of these other catchers that are not necessarily the starting catchers because catching is so weak and yep. they like to platoon catchers a lot because they don't want to, they don't want, you know, unless they're Salvador Perez, they don't want to have a catcher back there for 162 games. No, that is exactly right. And with Salvador Perez, you have the luxury of putting him at DH. And if the lockout comes out and, and everything's fresh roses and they decide that we're going to go ahead and, and finally adopt the, nat- the designated header at national league, then Severino might be productive on that spot as well by getting more DH at bats. So we shall see on that one. Uh, my pick is Francisco Mejia because, you know, I had uh, Zunino as my, what do you call it? My, uh, my bust in the top 12. So that means that Francisco Mejia, he can only get better, right? <laughs> so we'll see. We kind of, you saw, you talked about Atlee Rushman. Well, we've been waiting on uh, Francisco Mejia for a very long time to kind of live up to his potential and it just doesn't seem to be working out the way many uh, prospect experts and many scouts thought it would turn out to be. Um, but, you know, he did a good job of uh, holding on his own, uh, producing very, very part, limited part-time duty last year with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, does a great job of limiting his strikeout. So he's like the opposite of Mike Zunino. Unfortunately, it doesn't come with the same power, but he does have a better on-base percentage. A little slightly better uh, batting average, so he's not going to hurt your batting average. Unfortunately, he's not going to get you a lot of those other counting stats either. So that's the bad thing about him. But he held his own with a 108 WRC plus. That means he was eight percent better than league average last year as a hitter. Um, let's see, there was something else about him that I kind of liked. Um, I'm not seeing it right now. The plate discipline numbers are there. I mean, he's a very aggressive swinger, but he does make a lot of contact. Does a good job of kind of controlling his swinging strike rate, despite the fact that he's an aggressive swinger uh, at the plate. So will that translate into production? I don't know. But if uh, the race, if Zunino falls, like I think he's going to fall as a bust, then it's Francisco Mejia's, uh, it would be his time to shine. The only thing that really sucks about Mejia is despite the fact that he came in with really high uh, well, I guess the fielding was always in question, but he's a really good thrower. He has a really good arm, according to his prospect uh, rankings, his prospect grades from uh, from before. But he's a terrible pitch framer. And you know how the Tampa Bay Rays love their pitch framing. So it's just, it's just frustrating because he was supposed to be this uber prospect. Again, the dangers of going after these young uber prospect catchers is that this is the results. They might become the next Francisco Mejia. So, but if he does get regular playing time, he might do enough at that position at catcher where he might not, uh, he might produce some uh, things for you at the very least a decent batting average. Um, and what was he ranked again? He's ranked as the number 33rd catcher on Tristan Cockroft's list. So there's your deep sleeper from me. So uh, a very uh, varied uh, list here. 
you ready to go first base or do you have any final thoughts on the catching position before we move? Uh, I'm ready to go to first base. Just want to say uh, hello to uh, Leon. Leon's watching as well. Step back. The step back. And uh, Jonathan Lee is on here as well. We've been talking about his all ball numbers. So uh, good morning, guys. Uh, And some good news out of the Leon front. He got, unless he's messing with me right now, he got his championship banner from the fantasy basketball league. So, (laughs) So yeah, uh, that finally. So one less, like I told him, that's the one less thing for me to worry about. So unfortunately, we now have a backup banner that we need to send to him. I guess so. Leon, Leon's asking if Kiebert Ruiz can end up in the top five. Oh, oh man, uh, that's a really good question. So let's take a look. I mean, Salvador Perez is number one according to Tristan Cockruff of over at ESPN. JT Real Muto, Will Smith, Yasmani Grandal, and Dalton Varsho. So the question is: Is Kiebert Ruiz going to be better than any of those guys? Maybe he'll be better than Yasmani Grandal. I'm thinking Yasmani Grandal, but after that, maybe Varsho. But I, the only person I think he could challenge is Grandal. Yeah, so it's possible. I mean, when I looked at his numbers, I loved, I liked a lot what I saw from Kyber Ruiz. I really yeah. did. I like, I like him too. So, but uh, yeah, the, so it's possible. I mean, Dalton Varsho is also no slam dunk either. But the one thing that's good about Dalton Varsho is he can get you some stolen bases out of the catching position. So. That's why he's now at the uh, – he's he's ranked in the top five in Tristan's uh, list here. All right. Well, speaking of the Nationals, you, Mr. Spiro, have a bust at first base. Go ahead and tell the kids who you have there. So my bust is number 11, Josh Bell. Um, he's, he's ranked 11th. Now, this comes with a caveat. If uh-huh. your league is very dependent on power numbers, then Josh Bell might not be a bust. But if you're looking for more of a um, a guy that, you know, is not necessarily hitting homers, you know, Josh Bell is probably not the guy you're looking for. Um, in terms of all ball numbers, Josh Bell is down at the bottom. He's at uh, – he's 27th. Uh, but he's in the top 10 in big ball. And that's coming with these big boppers at first base, like Paul Goldschmidt, Matt yeah. Olson, Freddie Freeman, things like that. So if you're looking for homers, Josh Bell is probably actually a sneaky pick to, to, to look for. But if you're looking for, but if you have somebody like um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or somebody, you know, some of these other first basemen that are a little more, uh, well-rounded in terms of overall offensive game, then don't get Josh Bell. The other thing that I'm thinking of is that Washington Nationals team is not great. They don't have very many great hitters. And, you know, so they may rely a lot on Josh Bell and pitchers may pitch, you know, that that may be the guy that they look at in scouting reports is Josh Bell and his numbers may go down. So in terms mm-hmm. of fantasy, it might not be great. So I would be wary when you um, when you're thinking about drafting Josh Bell. I was very close to putting Josh Bell up there as well, but um, uh, yeah, and you're right. The Nationals are, are a very top-heavy lineup. Yeah, and Josh Bell is supposed to be protecting Juan Soto, uh, according to RosterResource.com. Um, I'm sorry, Roster Resource over at Fangraphs, right? Uh, Fangraphs gobbled them up. Uh, but I, I dug into Josh Bell's uh, numbers and. I think there's a lot to like here, even though it's not the gaudy numbers he was putting up when he was in 2019 in Pittsburgh. Yeah. But I think at rank number what number 11 on Cockroft's list, that's a pretty good place for him. So I gave him a pass and I went with Max Muncy just for the simple fact that number one, I had him on my team and he kind of just 
was not very dependable in August and in, in, uh, sometimes in August and September. I think that's a very interesting, I think that's a sneaky good pick. Uh, for being a bust or being a, a, a top six, top seven first baseman. Oh, being a bust, yeah. But I mean, the reason, mostly the reason, because he had a really good season, all, all things considered. But yeah, there were times in August and September where he kind of disappeared and was not very dependable. And that's that's the risk you take from guys who you know work the counts and are very patient. Is they get into these un, never ending uh, slumps because they're just putting, they're just holding the bat with uh, on their shoulders and just waiting for that pitch to drive into the gaps and into the fences. And that's Max Muncy. But for all intents and purposes, he did have a good season, but the number one thing that really gets concerning at this point, because we don't, we haven't gotten any updates and all the things I've heard so far yeah. is that it's not looking too good. He has a, he has a UCL injury on his elbow. Cause he, Oh my God, that that was a last game of the season. And, and, and he was uh, feeling, he was trying to catch a ball. Uh, a dribbler uh, at first base. He was trying to catch from a, from a throw. And I think, uh, I think they were facing the Brewers and the base runner ran into his arm and, Oh my God, it's just, it's just gross to think about. It's really gross to think about. And he's saying that it's not, it's not uh, healing as fast as the, as he thought it would be. So that is a red flag for me from a top six first baseman, according to Tristan Cockroft. I'm going to have to say I'm going to pass on that and maybe go after Josh, wait around and wait and get a Josh Bell or. Yeah, I or, think I think six is too high for Muncie. Yeah, because I would go Jose Abreu. I would even go after Jared Walsh. I was going to be this close to getting putting Jared Walsh on my bus list because he has a very high ground ball rate for a first power hitting first baseman. But at this point, at least he's he he's looks like he's Jared Walsh is not a question for for opening day. Right. Oh, no. Yeah. No, no, uh, no. And CJ Crone yeah. with the Colorado Rockies, I, I would I would uh, consider putting him up there as a I would th- consider Crone too. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely cheaper than Max Muncy at this point. Although you could say, well, Felipe, you were just talking about drafting for September and August. Wouldn't Max Muncy be a candidate? Yeah, but now you got to draft, you know, another good first baseman to kind of uh, counteract your the idea that you're gonna draft your first base position in Max Muncy because you're waiting for him to get back like in July, September, August. Now you need another first baseman to draft to get you through April, May, and June. So well, it, it can't be done, but it's kind of risky. Go ahead. I think the other added benefit to Muncy is he can play multiple positions. He's eligible yeah. for first, second, and third. The problem is you have better second baseman and you have better third baseman as well. So do you really want to take the higher rounds to pick a backup, or do yeah. you want to skip over Max Muncy altogether? I think Just, other other years, I would have picked up Max Muncy pretty early. But this year, I'm not quite sure that Max Muncy is the way to go in their early rounds. If he's available in the later rounds, and you already kind of have an established lineup, sure, I would pick up Max Muncy. But, you know, I'm not going to pick him up in the early rounds. Because yeah, exactly. Six. Exactly. Yeah. As a utility hitter, you know, the DH spot. Yeah, for sure. It's worth the risk. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just because uh, once you go, you, you go into the top uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, then it gets a little, little bit questionable. I mean, do you want, do you really want to survive with Ryan Mountcastle as your regular first baseman? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And I was this close to picking Ryan Mountcastle as my bus. But at any rate, those are our busts who are in the top 12 of each uh, position. Let's go with the sleeper picks. Now, this is a guy we talked about for you. Number 24 ranked Nate Lowe. And we spoke very highly of him 
last week when we uh, were previewing the Texas Rangers roster. Uh, what else did you find out about Nate Lowe this week? Nate Lowe, I think, is going to be – I think he's going to have another good season next year. Um, in terms of the all-ball number, he's ranked – what is that? One, two, three, four, five, sixth. Um, in front of people like Anthony Rizzo, DJ Mayhew, um, Jonathan Scope. He's just behind Paul Goldschmidt, Matt Olson, Yuli Gurriel, Freddie Freeman, Jose Abreu. He's right in that thick of, you know, the elite all around hitting first baseman. And the added benefit to this is he's also getting some new teammates in Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, who you're also worrying about. So, you know, he may get some pitches to hit because he's got Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager also in the lineup who they're probably going to pitch to. Uh, they're probably going to be focusing more on the scouting report. So Nate Lowe may have a chance to get some, to get some hits at, with, you know, very hittable pitches. Um, I would think I'm thinking Nathaniel or Nat, Nate Lowe's stock is going to rise because of the roster reconstruction. And the fact that he already had a good season last year with kind of a not so great offensive lineup that the Rangers had last year. All uh, right. Well, Jonathan Lee, uh, just got to let you know that we're on a time delay here. So he has a lot of comments. I want to read some of these, but some of these I have no idea who he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, who is he talking about when he says he's the best number two first baseman for your roster? Is he talking about Muncie? He's talking about Muncie. Okay. I mean, I said there was a lot. There's a lot to like about Muncie. I just don't know if he's going to be ready for next uh, early on next season. So, I mean, I guess if you have an injured, an injured list, I guess you could plan him there and just hope that you can survive. I mean, but again, of... I'm not I'm not drafting a number two or you know a backup first baseman in the third round. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's you just know? that's too much, man. I, I can't do it. Won't do it. Can't do it. Um, and he also agrees with you that uh, Josh Bell is too risky uh, for this upcoming season. All right, my sleeper pick at first base. It's a sentimental one, but I, I feel like he has a little bit more left to give us before he rides into the sunset uh, on a very excellent, excellent. Major League Baseball career. That is my guy, Anthony Rizzo, because I'm a homer. That's my homer pick. <laughs> I don't know, man. He's just too damn talented to be this, um, for lack of a better term, mediocre. I know that the batting average is down. The, the young base isn't as high as it used to be. But and, and I know he's going to be 32. He's going to he's entering his uh, age 32 season. But I think depending on where he goes, he he's just too damn talented. He's just too damn good of a hitter to be this uh, underwhelming of a selection. I think 2022, at this point, no matter where he goes, I'm all in on Anthony Rizzo uh, as a, as a late round pick. I mean, he's the price is going to be right for him because there's that uh, there's too many question marks around him. So that's around the time. It's like kind of like the Joey Votto thing where people all gave up on Joey Votto. Uh, And just out of curiosity, where did I have Joey Votto uh, last uh, entering this last season? Oh boy, I had him pretty low at first base. It looks I like I think it'll also help if Anthony Rizzo goes back to the Yankees. Yeah. Since he's that, left-handed. Yeah. I mean, we thought it was gonna help him last year and it didn't. So I mean, at least not that it not that I've noticed any difference. Uh Joey Votto. So last year I ranked 42 first baseman. Joey Votto was 32nd overall on my list. And he kind of had a bounce back season. And now uh, Tristan Cockroft, Joey Votto is, I just saw his name somewhere. Ah, number 14 overall so <laughs> so things can change uh in the uh from season to season even for old even for older players like joey Votto and anthony rizzo uh but yeah i i just 
I mean, the stat cast numbers are there. Exit velocity of 90 miles per hour. Uh, he doesn't put the ball on the barrel that much, but that's okay because he still gets a, he connects with a hard hit rate of 40.8% last season. Oh, man, I just, it just, there's just too much to like about Rizzo. I honestly do think that there's a lot, that there's one more, maybe two more good seasons left on it, on his tank. And uh, we all know about the play discipline numbers as well. I mean, he's just an ultimate professional hitter as well. He, what he, he's just lacking that, that those uh, power numbers everybody wants to see out of a first baseman. And hopefully, whoever, wherever he goes, he can bounce back and uh, produce like he used, like we know he can. All right, now it gets interesting. It gets really interesting now. I mean, first base is a pretty deep position. So now we're going to go deep and we're going to throw a Hail Mary at a very uh, pretty darn good uh, uh, position of, of depth here. Who is your deep sleeper? My deep sleeper is probably more of a nostalgic pick if you're just looking at it at face value. Um, but mine at first at first base is number 27, Eric Hosmer of Uh the Padres. Um, Eric Hosmer is, he's not going to be the big bopper of a first baseman. Um, He's going to be more of the guy that's going to hit it in the gap um, and things like that. His mid ball number is very high. So he's going to be the guy that gets you doubles. Uh, But I think because that Padres offensive lineup, despite the fact that they fell apart at the end of, at the end of the season, they have a really well-constructed lineup with Manny Machado and um, and Fernando Tatis Jr. And, you know, all of the – they have a really great offensive lineup. And uh, Jake Cronenworth, all of those guys, including Hosmer. So because you have Manny Machado and you have Fernando Tatis Jr. and you have other players like that, Hosmer may be getting pitchers, pitch, pitches to hit, and in that deep park of, of – Petco Park, he may be a sneaky guy in terms of getting doubles and, you know, and hits and racking up the batting average. So, um, and in terms of all ball number, he's ranked 27th on the fantasy rankings, but in terms of the all ball number, he's ranked 13th among all first basemen. So, you know, there's a little bit of a separation there. He's right there in the company of people like Pete Alonzo, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Jonathan Scope, Ryan Mountcastle, like he's right there. Mm-hmm. So, I would, I would say Eric Cosmer would be somebody that I would take a chance on if he was available later in the, you know, later in the, uh, later in the draft. And I needed somebody that could get me some hits. I'd pick up Eric Cosmer. You know, I was listening to you and Jonathan talk about uh, the Padres and how the, what's, what's the statistic that you guys like to use? Is it all ball? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Or is it um, something else? No, it's all ball. We, well, we use, yeah, he was, he, we were talking about all ball in terms of the Padres. So um, how offensively they were supposed to be a very, very good team. And I think a lot of statistics would have pointed to that. They were the best. They were one of the better, best team. Okay. And they just kind of falter at the end. I know that I went on, on, on Dong city and I was kind of mocked for saying that the Padres were okay. Cause I looked at the roster and like, well, everything seems to be okay. And they picked up Adam Frazier. The rotation still looks pretty darn good. And then they've petered out and faltered and we're just, just a bad team to look at. So in my rankings, I had the uh, Padres finishing 11th overall. Uh, but you guys had them. You guys were took it a step further with the, 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 the statistics that you guys used and said that they not only were one of the better teams, but they were so awful in real life that it's one of the 
for lack of a better term, was one of the bigger choke jobs. That's what I got from that episode that you did with Jonathan. That's that's what I that's what I think I was driving at was yeah. it was just a ma- it was a major choke job. Now again, this is one stat, and I think Jonathan and I both understand that this is one stat. It's not the end all be all. Like you know what I mean? Like it's a good comprehensive stat, but you got to do the eye test too. And you know, you, you're going to, you're going to consider other things. So if people don't think that the Padres were the best all around offensive lineup, that's fine. I could probably find reasoning for that as well. Just in terms of this, the Padres were number one. Wow. Well, for the pie, my offensive score, my rankings, because I never got a chance to talk about my rankings. I'm like, yeah, man, why am I not talking about my own rankings? Yeah, they were middle of the pack uh, team in terms of offense. It's the rotation and the bullpen that was kind of carrying them. So it's kind of interesting how we both had different uh, ways to say that the Padres underachieved last season. <laughs> but uh, no, no, they definitely were a disappointment. I thought they were going to uh, give the Dodgers all they could handle. And it turned out to be the Giants that it was them that they uh, gave the the Dodgers uh, a run for their money, literally a run for their money. Um, but uh, yeah, I have the Padres finishing 11th overall on my rankings. And I don't know, what did you guys have uh, overall? Uh, do you guys do it by overall uh, comprehensive number or is, is it just simply offensive that the, the, the statistic that you were citing um, um, that one episode? It was, so we were talking about all ball. Um, he has another one called all warps, which also takes, it takes into consideration war, mm-hmm. OPS plus and things like that. That's more for individual players. I never did put it in for all, for all of teams. Um, I just got, I just, I got curious when it came to all ball for, uh, for teams and just hit sort and see what happened. And it ended up being the Padres were number one, but it sounds more like it's an offensive statistical thing, right? I I haven't heard anything. All ball is all warps takes defense into consideration but it is a lot of offense okay so because there's no i haven't heard you guys talk about pitching yet no Uh, okay Uh, you know he and i had been talking about a pitching number and i believe jonathan Mm -hmm. does have a pitching number um but i i haven't really been focusing on the pitching pitching yeah Okay, I thought maybe I missed something or whatever. Okay, let's move on to the list here. I got Frank Schwindel as my deep sleeper, uh, another homer pick for me, another oh, sentimental man. pick. So <laughs> we got went Rizzo, and then you went with Hosmer, which is a sentimental pick on your end. You just admitted to me. And now Frank Schwindel. Um, Schwindel broke up big time last year. Uh, so, and it looks like he's going to be the starting first baseman for the Cubs. Looks like the Cubs are not going to be very active uh, on the um, – on free agency, even when I come, I mean, they got Marcus Stroman, but I think Frank Schwindel could be a, a, a player that they want to highlight in order to kind of flip them uh, at the trade deadline. So I'm, I, I can foresee him getting all the plate appearances that he can handle just so he can produce the mammoth numbers that he did uh, late in the season last year. So it's one of those uh, guys I was talking about, those August, September guys that are going to help you uh, stay above water in fantasy. I know he helped me a lot, plenty in, in my fantasy league last year. The fact uh, that he's 30 or he's he's 29 going on 30 yeah. bother does that bother you uh you know he'll be 30 by the time uh either you know a lot of- I, I i'm starting to like him even more because he and i have the same birthday <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah the fact that he's going to be turning 30 here pretty soon he's going to turn 30 right at the beginning of the season I mean, the technically, yeah. Uh, so if you go by the deadline of June 30th, which a lot of these publications go, I go by July 1st on my ranking. So if you're, regardless, I mean, his birthday is on June 29th. He's going to be, thir- he's going to enter technically his age 30 season. Yeah. Um, so, but no, it doesn't, I mean, it should have bothered me last year. And if you decided not to pick up Frank Schwindel 
because he's too old for you because he's 30 years old you missed out on a great you missed out on, on a production last year late late last season uh-huh. but my thing is this is the opposite april may june he's i honestly think he's gonna he's gonna be just told to go out there play every single game and do the same thing he did late last year and then they're gonna flip him. that's the only concern is that they're gonna flip him. so as a smart fantasy leaguer what you do is you beat the cuffs of the punch and you trade them right away for better talent, you know, especially even in dynasty leagues and, and keeper leagues. That's what you do. You, 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 what you'd call sell high on a Frank Schwindel. If, especially if he gets off to, if he continues to get off to a hot start, like he uh, did last year where he uh, finished with a really hot year last season. So that's my deep sleeper. I mean, otherwise, I mean, what I got to depend on Christian Walker again. I don't think so. Not at, no. nah, no, no more for me, man. Uh, Eric Hosmer, who, I mean, I know you like them, but I really don't. Jesus Aguilar, we've been waiting on Jesus Aguilar forever now at this point. And he's also, yeah. he's pretty old as well. Uh, I don't I don't know exactly how old he is, but I know he's in his 30s. He has to be in his 30s by now. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, I don't know what to expect from him. Lamont Wade Jr., there's like three, four players that could play that position in San Francisco. Pavin Smith, oh my God, he's just frustrating. I know Sean loves Pavin Smith a lot, but man, uh, anyway, we're getting distracted. Jesus, Jesus Go ahead. Aguilar is 31 and, oh, turns, come on. and turns 32 on June 30th. Come on. Come on. That's what I'm talking about, man. Come on. All right. Uh, well, this one should be fast at second base. We both have the same bust. I'll let you take over. It's Brandon Lau of the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm pretty sure it's the same reasonings that we have here. But num- he's the number seventh ranked uh, second baseman on Tristan Cockroft's list. Why do you hate Brandon Lau so much? All I have to say is screw Brandon Lau. <laughs> oh, Lord. I had him. I had him last year on – I think at least one of my fantasy teams thinking he was going to provide some sort of power numbers and he crapped all over the bed and just, he could not hit the ball. He struck out so many times. It's not even funny. I don't, I didn't care where he was on the rankings number or I don't care where he was in the all ball. Number seven was way too high and it, it, and the uh, all ball rankings seemed to uh, agree with, uh, agree with me. Um, Brandon Lau was, um, let's see, he's 13th in the all ball. I still think that's a little too high. I think it's because his, yep, he's top 10 in big ball. He's got power for a second baseman, but that's it. He, it's either home run or strike out for this guy. Yeah. And I'm over trying to, you know, champion Brandon Lau and saying, oh, at the second base position, he's going to get you more homers. He, he's he's not worth it he really isn't i'm not i'm not going to draft brandon lau this year um and you know it's going to be one of those don't draft him and keep an eye on him if he turns it around and decides he wants to hit the ball then fine pick him up on the waiver wire but i ain't drafting him all right really quick updates I, uh, melvin just i asked him how the winter leagues are going because as you know he does the, he does the baseball cosmos uh, facebook page where he does a really good job of covering uh all the baseball in the whole wide world in this he does uh, a great job that's a great page to follow yeah go follow his baseball and twitter too baseball cosmos um a couple of updates on the winter leagues he's saying that the mets have the best prospect progress there right now which not hard to believe i mean we talked about that in a previous episode how impressive the met the mets have a yeah last week we talked about their mets uh, some of the mets prospects uh um uh, on that episode and how impressive they look uh and then he's saying Roberto Ala, Roberto Alomar's academy team is killing the Puerto Rican league, and that his academy is working. So, uh, so yeah, ha- imagine that a Hall of Famer, 
runs an academy in Puerto Rico and his team is killing it right now. So who knew? Who knew? As far as the pitching stuff uh, about the all ball and uh, the, the the stat that Jonathan uh, uh, is doing over at his end of the world, pitching is still in the works. It's just so painful. And I believe you, man. <laughs> we talk, I mean, if, if you've been paying attention to uh, our podcast all year long, which we try to go every Sunday morning around this time, right before NFL kicks off. And if not, we go Monday nights sometimes if we need, if we need to. We, but uh, yeah, pitching was one of the more frustrating subject matters that we discussed all year long on this podcast. So I, I feel you there, Jonathan, on how painful it is to gauge some of these pitchers. Uh, the tough thing with that number is it's so hard to decide what data points you want to consider because offense, you got all kinds of data points to consider and pitching there really isn't, there isn't as yeah. much. And so it's hard to get a comprehensive stat for pitching. Yeah. And uh, anyway, that's a different topic for uh, that deserves its own episode. I, I, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, but basically getting off of Brandon Lau, uh, he strikes out too much. <laughs> so there, there, yeah. there's my synopsis on that Way one. Way too much. Uh, I have Jazz Chisholm as my number six, uh, the number 16th ranked second baseman on Tristan's uh, list, Cockroft's list. He's my sleeper this year. And I was speaking very highly of him at the beginning of the year. And I'm going to keep doing it for this uh, upcoming 2022 season. Just like, unfortunately, just like Lau, he strikes out way too much, Jazz does. But he comes in, you know, it's only his second year. He's going to be 24 next year. So he's still a youngin, very raw player uh, still. But man, you cannot deny, you cannot ignore the power speed combination at second base that this guy can provide. He hit 18 home runs and 23 stolen bases last year. So if you're in a Roto League, I'm sure you you did just fine overlooking his bad batting average. <laughs> the 248 last year, 303 on base percentage. I honestly think that could be an improvement. We can see some improvements next year. I still believe in him. 98 WRC plus, all things considered, that's pretty darn good for him uh, as a developing player and as a guy who was uh, kind of struggling with the Marlins for the majority of the season last year. He still was able to produce some county stats for you. Uh, the other thing to like about our stat cast numbers, 90 mile per hour exit velocity, and 41.7 hard hit rates. There's just, I don't know, man. I, I know people are going to say, they're going to roll their eyes and say, oh, Jazz Chisholm, he sucks. But you know what? There's a lot to like about this kid. Don't lose out hope. If you see him late in drafts, snatch him up because he might be the guy who pays off dividends for your team and just be patient with him. Just believe in him. I, if someone has to believe in Jazz Chisholm, it's going to be me. So I'm going to, I'm all in on Jazz Chisholm, uh, depending on where I can get him next season. You went with the, what's the player rank? Number 13th ranked, Tommy Edmond. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about him. So I went with Tommy Edmond. Um, when you look at his stats from 2020, um, his slash line was 262, 308, 387. He had a 91 weighted runs created plus. Um, so not stellar, but when you look at the all ball number, he's actually fifth. He's mm. in the top five, right in the same company as people like Jorge Polanco, Jonathan India, Trey Turner, people like that. Right. So, you know, there is something to behold there. The question is, what is it? And it's really his ability to hit small ball. It's his ability to make contact and it's his ability to hit the ball in the gap. So, you know, when you look at uh, things like that, he, um, his, he's not going to get you very many walks. He's at a 5.5% walk rate, but he's not going to strike out either. He's yep. at 13.7% strikeout rate. Um, and so 
uh, and I'm trying to his outside the swing, uh, outside the swing percentage, outside the zone swing percentage is at 27.8 percent. And then he's, um, you know, he's he's making contact. Um, you know, he makes contact 86.5 percent of the time when swinging at 47.3 percent of pitches. So he's going to swing the bat. He's going to make contact, but he's not going to be the guy that supplies you power. He's going to be the guy that gets on base and. Um, you know, he, he's going to get on base. He's going to hit it in the gap and, you know, he's going to supply that um, stuff for you. The other thing that you could pick up Tommy Edmund for stolen bases. Oh yeah. But I thought what I thought Dylan Carlson was going to do is what t- Tommy Edmund has done for the Cardinals. He has 30 stolen bases and has a, a weighted stolen base runs of three of 3.4. Oof. So, you know, pretty good base runner. If you're, if you're in a league that is that, is dependent or not dependent, but consider stolen bases. I would consider getting Tommy Edmond for the average and the stolen bases. I think he could be a pretty good asset when people are not looking for Tommy Edmond. Oh yeah. And I, unfortunately those 30 stolen bases are going to drive up his price range, so to speak. Uh, Cause he is ranked number 13. So he's, he's on that doorstep. He's on that doorstep. Is he better than DJ LeMahieu at this point? Maybe. Is he better than Jorge Polanco? Maybe. Maybe. He's not better than Jonathan India or Ketel Marte or Javier Baez because Javier Baez is a little bit more explosive um, unless you don't want those 30 home runs and would rather get the 30 stolen bases. So maybe. Is he better than Brandon Lau? Maybe. Max Muncy? Maybe. Now we're talking top five, top six for Tommy Edmund. Okay. So that's pretty funny. But, uh, I mean, that's the kind of world we live in right now because the stolen bases are, like you mentioned, uh, are scarcity at this point. And – he, Tommy Edmonds doesn't have an explosive bat, but he does have explosive legs and he can run circles around the, uh, the, the diamond, despite the fact that he doesn't have a very good triple slash line, but we'll see for next year as a uh, steamer projections have him going much higher. Actually, his career numbers are much higher than what he did last year in terms of triple that's, slash. That's line. What I mean, his 2019 stats were really good. And then his 2020 kind of fell off and then 2021 was the same. But I think a lot of these players you're going to see, that did not have a great 2021 was because 2020 screwed with them. So I'm thinking yeah. 2022, you'll see more of what these players actually are. Along with the stolen bases, which is, I mean, if you, if he improves his batting average and brings and the on base and he brings those 30, that 30 plus potential, I mean, you might have a real steal there. So that's a good choice. Let's uh, stick with you, man. Adam Frazier. Uh, who's now with the Mariners, right? He got traded to the Mariners. I think we talked about that last week. Yeah. Because uh, uh, Fangraph still has him with the Padres. I don't know what the holdup there is. But, uh, yeah, he, he kind of had a breakout season last year. Uh, had his – yeah, he pretty much had the – yeah, the, one of the better seasons of his young career, of his uh, early career. Now, he's not young anymore. He's uh, He'll be 30 uh, in a couple of days from now. But uh, Adam Frazier, what do you see in him that others are not seeing? So, in the all ball, Adam Frazier is 10th right behind Chris Taylor and Jose yeah. Altuve and right in front of Ryan McMahon, uh, Brandon loud, Jake Cronenworth, jazz Chisholm, people like that. Um, again, he's going to, he's not going to be, he actually has a smaller big ball number than, um, than Tommy Edmond. He's going to, he's going to be another one like Tommy Edmond. You're going to be looking for him to provide the average, the hits and maybe the doubles because his mid ball and his mid ball number is in the top 10. So you're really looking for him to supply the doubles and the hits and things like that and get on base. Um, 
he had a good he had a good run with the uh with the pirates i believe he was an all-star with the pirates last year wasn't he by and default then, probably yeah and then he uh and then he got traded to the padres didn't have as great of a season with the padres but what padre did in the second half um so with the mariners the mariners they got a lot they're riding a lot of momentum right because they had a great um, they had a great season last year. A lot of people are saying they overperformed. They were a year too early. If they were a year too early, they're going to be good again this year. Um, so I'm excited to see. And I think Adam Frazier will ride that momentum and be a pretty good. I'm not saying he's going to be the top or one of the top produ- production or one of the top producers when it comes to second base, but I think he's worth a look. While we're talking, uh, Jonathan is doing us a big favor and uh, letting us know the uh, all warp numbers on our players that we were mentioning. So that's a pretty good uh, 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 complimentary piece right there for both of us. Uh, hopefully, every, catch us on the Facebook Baseball Life page. Uh, every, like I said, Sunday mornings or Monday nights, depending on how we're doing on time. Speaking of time, we're at the one hour mark, so we're going to have to speed up things and we're going to get to the last two positions. Uh, so let's finish up with Nick Madrigal. I know, I know that's the guy I've been trashing this whole season, but pretty much I like him more, uh, on a team that's not going to contend. It's going to, he's, they're going to let him develop that power. That's been kind of lacking throughout his minor league career and a lot of his major league career. And maybe they'll let him steal bases. Cause with the white Sox, he wasn't doing it. I know that he kept getting hurt. And I know it's a lot to ask from a guy who's recovering from a hamstring injury to, all right, go out there and steal more bases. Damn it. But, uh, I keep hearing about the speed, so let's see if he can actually. Because in the minors, he showed that he could steal bases. Uh, he gets to the White Sox, and I, I, they put the brakes on him. So hopefully, with a bad team like the Cubs, who are looking to uh, put some jolt on that lineup, uh, he can uh, produce and not just uh, in terms of getting more pop, but also on the base pass as well. Otherwise, he has a very good plate discipline. Figures uh, he's a very uh, uh, generates a lot of contact, and with uh, with that speed, he should be able to turn those ground outs into uh, infield hits as well. So from a guy like that, that's all you're asking for. He's going to, he has, he has shown the ability to hit over 300, which if you're in a traditional roto league, if he can get you the batting average along with the stolen bases, you are set to go there. You all got right. ahead of me, man. I, uh, I was going to, tr- I was going to give you crap for, have a Nick Madrigal on your list. Well, I mean, it, it, well, let's see here. Uh, I get a lot of crap from Sean because I was a big Salvador Perez believer, but that was in 2019 and 2020. And for 2021, I was not, not that I'm not a believer, but I wasn't, I wasn't as excited drafting him in 2021 as I was in years past. And I forgot what the reasoning was because I did miss out on a big, big, uh, uh, big season from him this year. But the problem with Salvador Perez is I, in a lot of the mock drafts I was doing, he was going super early, earlier than I wanted him to, yeah. uh, to go. So, so my next guy was guys like Will Smith or in, in our, Baseball Life League at Fantrax. It was Gary Sanchez and Sean Murphy, um, who, I mean, at that point, <laughs> the, you get the price that you paid for because they ended up being top t- like top 10 uh, catchers just because they played so much last year. But they, did, they didn't they did move up in the rankings. They kind of just stuck in that the bottom half of the top 10, top 12. So that was kind of disappointing. Uh, really quick, uh, so we mentioned uh, – I kind of lost track of my thought here. Ah, so Adam Fraser was the 27th ranked uh, second baseman for Tristan Cockruff, and Nick Magical was 30th ranked. See, last year, Nick Magical was also a top 10, top 12 second baseman. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know. He still doesn't have that power. 
that I'm looking for. And we don't know if the White Sox are going to let them steal bases. And if the White Sox are going to pick up someone that can uh, a little bit more steady uh, in terms of, uh, you know, veteran leadership and veteran know-how, because Magical is still developing. So are the White Sox going to be patient? Because my thing, even as a White Sox fan, I would have loved to have seen them get a veteran second baseman and have Nick Magical play sparingly and try to figure out some things uh, from that position. And maybe he's a guy who could have been ready. Those, you know, what we talked about, the July, August, September guys. Unfortunately, that's not what the White Sox did. They threw him out there. Once again, he got hurt again. Uh, He started showing a little bit of pop at the end, but still it's a guy who just grounds out a lot to – up the middle, shortstop, second base, and you know. Anyway, that's that. Long story short, I mean, it's a deep sleeper. It's a real good buy low candidate in drafts. So that's what that's the reason for the love this year, as opposed to last year where he was a top ten, top tall second baseman who uh, was not as uh, formidable. Okay, shortstop. Let's move on really quick. You got Javier Baez, and I was this close to getting Javier Baez as well, but I changed my mind at the end. But you stuck to your guns. The number 12th ranked shortstop, uh, according to Tristan Cockruff. Why do you hate Javier Baez so much? Those those were the two that I that I was looking at was Trevor Story and Javier Baez. But I picked Javier Baez because the ballpark in Detroit is a terrible, <laughs> terrible park for Baez. Mm-hmm. Because all Baez wants to do is hit the baseball out of the park. And he picked one of the deepest ballparks to call home. Yeah. So not only is he going to be striking out now, he's going to be flying out at the warning track because for whatever reason, he can't seem to study his own swing. There are so many things about Javier Baez that bothers me so much. And the, and hopefully he finally puts it together and decides, Oh, Hey, swinging out of my butt is not going to work, especially in Detroit. I'm going to need to fix something in my game. But I mean, it hasn't proven to be the fact he's just, it seems like he's going to just swing out of his butt even more and try to hit it 500 feet, which has not been working and he strikes out way too much. So number 12, I think is too high. I am not touching Javier Baez with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. I was going to go with Baez as well, but I'm like, you know what? There's a lot. I feel I'm the opposite. I feel like that ballpark might just be what he needs and that his, a lot of his skill and ability plays well in that ballpark. And it just sounds crazy, but I mean, Javier Baez is an exciting player and I, and is an explosive player. I just think that that's that he will be okay in terms of the counting stats. Cause last year he got 30 home runs and 18 solo bases. He's going to be on a bad Detroit Tigers team. Again, they might let him do whatever the hell he wants. Maybe he'll go up to 25 home runs and 25 stolen bases with the, I mean, he hit 265 last year from a guy who strikes out a lot. You could ask for a lot worse than that. So I think it'll, it'll, you can kind of see a repeat of that. More frustration, that's for sure. More frustration, you'll get that from Javier Baez. But I think that he's just going to – I just envision him just being a throwback player in Detroit because of just how big that ballpark is. And uh, maybe, he, maybe he can take advantage of uh, some of the, the things that – are negatively said about Comerica Park. Is that what they call it still in Detroit? I think it's Comerica. That's why I keep saying the ballpark in Detroit because I'm not quite sure <laughs> if it's Comerica or not. 
Let's call it just let's just call it Tiger Stadium and people will yeah. know. Yeah, well then I wanted to call it Tiger Stadium, but I'm like, that's not right either. Listen, man, White Sox fans still call it Comiskey Park, uh, uh, even though or even though that they've already that's been taken. Guaranteed over. rate field is dumb. <laughs> that is and, a that's a well, dumb name. Well, as a as a Latino guy with a speech impediment, I have a I had a tough time saying US cellular field. So without sounding like a drunk here, but <laughs> but as I was saying, I, I still I think that Javier Baez will be fine, especially at, at the as a 12th ranked catcher, uh, shortstop, and, and, and as a guy who can play multiple positions, right? I mean, because I think that's where Tristan has him. Yeah, second base, that's fine. Number 12 is okay. Just temper expectations, and uh, you won't feel you won't feel the burn. And make sure that's you get the a thing though is backup the, middle infield. The opinion on Javier Baez is you either going to get him high or you're not touching him. So those people that are going to get him high, I think are going to have a lot of disappointment. See, that is a good argument. My thing with that, maybe at second base, you get him high because he is ranked number eight, but at second base, we just talked about all the deep sleepers and the, and the sleepers. Yeah, there. I think there are better people to pick up at second base than. Yeah. You can Baez. wait around. You can wait around there at shortstop is where he's going to be where those guys who are kind of looking around. Cause shortstop is deep, man. Shortstop, shortstop is, is deep. In, 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 in terms of the top 10, top 12, top 14, top 15. Uh, but so if you're looking around and say, let's see, do I want Javier Baez or Jorge Polanco? Well, Baez will give me the more gaudy, sexy stats. So Baez, Dansby Swanson, I never know what to expect from. There's another guy. I don't know. I, in terms of Baez versus Swanson, I'd rather have Baez. I'm sorry. I almost picked him as a sleeper, Swanson, but Swanson's numbers are way too confusing for me to pick him as a sleeper. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Don't pick Dansby Swanson. Just do yourself a no, favor. No, Jake, I went I went against that. I, ha- I, re- I wrote him down and then changed it. <laughs> uh, let's see who's the next guy. Uh, Jake Cronenworth. Uh, I mean, that's your sleeper, I believe, so I'm not going to talk about him. William Adamas. Again, that's uh, that's basically Javier Baez, but the like the diet soda of Javier Baez. Yeah. So Chris Taylor, you never know where the Dodgers are going to play. And then Jazz Chisholm, who we just talked about, Glabar Torres, who might be a thing. All right, so let's get going here. I know we were supposed Jonathan to. Jonathan says it's still Comerica Park. Yeah, we were right. Uh, Trevor Story, basically, the, the uh, long story short, he struggled in course field last year. What's going to happen to him when he's out of course field? Because he is a free agent. Doesn't look like the uh, the Rockies are gonna um, sign him up again unless they get he, they get him for a very dirt cheap price. So and then they can brag about, hey, I told you we were gonna get Trevor Story back. That's why we didn't trade him in the first place because we we wanted to get that inside deal with him, uh, right? Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, but I, the way I picture it, uh, Austin is if, if Nolan Arenado struggled outside of Coors Field in his first year with the Cardinals, struggle. You know, he had like close to forty home runs or something like that. Struggle, right? But we'll we'll get to him in a little bit. But I foresee. The same thing happening with uh, Trevor Story. Wherever he signs, he's going to go through the same struggles and he's going to find out or get a reality check that Coors Field is a hitter's haven and all other places are just hell to work with. Uh, he had a really bad slash line. Now, that could be because the Rockies were bad, dysfunctional. They didn't have the uh, consistent lineup to surround him with. And uh, or maybe he was just discouraged with the with the things that he, he was seeing in the lineup, because at this point, you can make an argument that the, it, the Rockies are clearly the worst run franchise in all of baseball at this point. So that I've might done have done enough, enough ranting on Colorado for four people. So I'm going <laughs> to if, if you want to hear my rant, go to my podcast and look at the trade deadline. I went on a huge rant about the, the Colorado. round trippers podcast. All yeah, right. It was it was. Yeah. 
I had I had people commenting that on my rant against uh, for Colorado. That was how epic this rant for Colorado and how bad of a franchise they are right now is. Well, Trevor Story's StatCast numbers are still pretty healthy. He, but he saw an aggressive spike in his uh, plate approach last year, kind of pressing as being the only guy there. So if he goes to a better team, you can make the argument that he will be better. It's just, I don't know, man. I don't want to – where is he ranked? He's the number five ranked uh, shortstop. Uh, no, not for me, bro. Not for me. I, like we just mentioned how deep shortstop is. Uh, the one the good thing about Trevor Story is that he still can give you those counting numbers that you're looking for, home runs and stolen bases. Just depends where he goes. If he goes to like, I don't know, the Los Angeles Angels or the Seattle Mariners or Oakland Athletics and that Oakland Coliseum uh, or any of those other hitter uh, pitcher friendly ballparks, uh, not for me, man. I I'd rather not do it. I'd rather not. So, moving on, the uh, sleeper pick for you. We just talked about him, number fifteen, Frank Jake Cronenworth. Uh, go ahead, and give me a quick synopsis on Jake Cronenworth here. So Jake Cronenworth, what I like about Jake Cronenworth is he, I think he's a good solid pick and all ball number. He's 11th in short stops with, and with the deep shortstop position that we have, that's pretty good. I mean, he's, you're looking at not only was he behind Fernando Tatis jr, but you know, he played, you know, he played a good offensive game that he's in front of people like Francisco Lindor, Jazz Chisholm, um, Javier Baez, he's better than Tim Ender, Tim Anderson, he's better than, you know, people like that. So, you know, I like Jake Cronenworth. I had him last season. He was a good pickup for me, especially at the beginning of the year. He turned into what was supposed to be a backup to one of my starters. And the other thing that I like about um, Jake Cronenworth is he's eligible for first, second, and short. Maybe he outfield can, too. Is he outfield too? Uh, he, I, I'm pretty sure the Padres will put him in the outfield sometime next season. That's yeah. how versatile he is. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, he's a he's a versatile player, and he's got a good stick. And I would I would probably I would think that he's probably the everyday second baseman right now. Yeah, I'm not looking at roster resource, so I don't know. Oh, but um, I could check that out. But Jake Cronenworth has got a good stick. And I think he's worth a little more than 15th. Again, shortstop is deep, but I think Cronenworth can hold his own if you don't get the Fernando Tatis Jr., who's probably going to go in the first round, the Trey Turners, who is probably going to go in the first round. He's probably in that second tier of shortstops. So if you don't get Fernando Tatis Jr. or Trey Turner, you, you, you have a viable option in Drake, Jake Cronenworth, and you could probably get him in the mid-rounds. Uh, quick hello, quick shout out to Jacob Moses who chimed in a little bit here. Uh, the Step Back podcast is in full effect today. Uh, they just did back to they just posted back to back episodes on um, on the uh, I know on the spot uh, on the audio only version. I know that much, so go check out their two latest episodes there on Google, Apple, Spotify. You know, basically wherever you find us, you can find them as well. We're we're all in the same life group podcast umbrella. Uh, Jake Cronenworth is the starting second baseman at this point. There's nobody else unless you think uh, Hassan Kim is going to be someone uh, that he's going to uh, live up to the hype that a lot of people like love Kim for the Padres last season coming in. So, but it looks like it's Jake Cronenworth's job to lose. He's at the number. He's penciled in as a number three spot according to roster resource. So, there you go, number fifteenth ranked. Uh, Jake Cronenworth. I have Brendan Rodgers. Why? You know, Trevor Story's gone, and now Brendan Rodgers is finally going to get all the playing time that, that he can handle. I like uh, that pick. Top three pick on the uh, 2015 draft. He's 
looks like he's finally healthy. He finally got the plate appearances he needed to give the Rockies some hope, some hope. And that's not saying much. Um, he's not going to provide you the stolen bases. Has he ever? No, no, no. I mean, he once got 12 stolen bases in double A, but that's pretty much it. No, he's not. A, he's, that's not the type of player that he is, but uh, he could be a guy who can provide you a high batting average, a decent on base. And if he's in Colorado, maybe he'll take advantage of, of the hitter friendly dimensions and the thin air up there and maybe get you to 20 home runs out of that position. Very late in the draft, perhaps. He's a 20th ranked shortstop on Tristan Cockroft's list. Uh, stack has numbers, 40% hard hit rate. You'll take that. The plate discipline numbers are a bit concerning. He's a very extremely hyper-aggressive swinger, 52.5% swing rate. But he all, last year he came with an 80% contact rate. So you got to love that. If you're going to be that aggressive, at least give me that, that much uh, contact, right? And uh, he does a good job of limiting his swinging strike percentages as well. So like to, uh, like to, uh, a lot to like here with Brendan Rodgers of the Colorado Rockies. Hopefully it comes to fruition and it turns into uh, uh, fantasy production. All right, your deep slipper, deep sleeper, number 30th ranked, Nicky Lopez. Uh, I know that's one of Sean's favorite uh, guys. They're one of those diminutive second uh, middle infielders that he loves so much. But why do you love Nicky Lopez so much here? The more I the more I look at Nicky Lopez, the more I the more I like him. Um, I didn't know who Nicky Lopez was until we did our um, until we did our series with fielding the best fielders, and we went to the shortstops. Yeah. And Nicky Lopez was all over the leaderboard, and I was like, "Who the heck is this guy? I don't even know who that is." And then I started looking at offensive shortstop offensive leaderboards and he was crawling around there kind of at the bottom uh kind of at the right flirting around with the top 10 too mm -hmm. so you know in terms of the all ball statistic um he is he's not as high as i thought he was i don't know where he's at oh! i'm sure uh jonathan will uh give you that number uh not, really quick he's not on my list anyway um but when you look at his stats on fan graphs, he's got a slash line of a 300 average, 365 OBP, a 378 slugging for a 106 weighted runs created plus. He's got a four. He had a 4.4 war. He's not, you know, he's not going to be the power hitting guy, but for 151 games to hit 300 average and nobody knows who you are. That's that. That's pretty darn good. Um, you know, he's got. A walk percentage, 8.7% uh, 8 last year, uh, career 8.5%, but he doesn't strike out 13.1%. Um, his plate discipline numbers, when you look at it, he's got an outside the strike zone percent, uh, swing percentage of 28.2%, swinging at a little, uh, little less than half, 44.4%, but he's making contact with 86.5% uh, of the pitches that he swings at. So good contact rate. Um, and he's not striking out, um, you know, he's not going to get you walks, but he is going to hit for average. He is, he's projected to, uh, hit a little bit lower according to steamer. He's, uh, projected to hit 267, um, you know, and have a below average season, but I'm, 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 I'm not going to believe the projections on this one. I think he's going to hit a little bit higher, um, especially on a team like the Royals who aren't so great. And really the only hitter to consider is Salvador Perez. If they put him in the right place, I could see. I'm not saying put him in the middle of the lineup, but I think he could get some pitches to hit and have a productive offensive season. 
All right. Quickly moving on to my guy, number 37th ranked O'Neill Cruz on Tristan Cockroft's uh, rankings. This is a guy, this is a prospect I've been waiting forever now. And uh, if you're in a dynasty league or in a keeper league, there's a good chance that you don't have them. If you're in a standard yearly league or in one of those keeper leagues that doesn't require too many, um, that doesn't have any minor league protections, I still believe in O'Neill Cruz. I'm still a big fan. I mean, he's a shortstop, 6'7", 210-pound left-handed hitter. I know my I know I've been pretty critical about left-handed hitters throughout this show since its very inception, but this is a guy I've been targeting for a very long time now. I want him, I need him on my team. That's one of those uh guys that you play for July, August, September. Although right now the according to roster resource, he's he will be in a he, he is projected to be in a platoon with Kevin Newman at, in, at shortstop for the Pirates. So, but this is a big boy that I want the, the the minor league numbers show that the power might be a real thing. Um, he's an exciting player, uh, and 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 he's fast too. Now the stolen bases aren't you know they're not there all the way through, but uh, in 2021 he stole 19 combined stolen bases between Double A AA and Triple A. Uh, in 2019 he stole 11 stolen bases, so he might be one of those guys at the very least early on in his career. The potential for him to be a 15-15 guy, 15 home runs, 15 stolen bases is there, and he's still developing. He's still developing that hit tool, although the hit tool is not as impressive, but the power, it's all about that power and speed combination, and I want that on my team. I'm excited to see what's going to happen with him and hope to God that the Pirates don't ruin him like they ruin every single goddamn prospect they have on that team. Did so. you just say he's a 6'7 shortstop? Uh-huh. And if it doesn't work at shortstop, they always move those guys to third base. Or first I was going to say, that's built, he's built more like a, like a third baseman or and like a linebacker built, in the NFL. Holy he's built cow. like a small forward for the, well, I was going to say the Pittsburgh whatevers, but they don't have a basketball team there. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's just my guy. a quick update on Nicky Lopez. And, and, and I found him on mine too. Um, Jonathan has Lopez as the 30th ranked um, player in all ball in all of the league in 2021 in terms of shortstops he's seventh ah interesting so, interesting Lopez. let's all right moving on to third base we're on the home stretch last position we're going to talk about today we'll look to see when we're going to talk about outfielders on a future episode because that needs to be discussed uh as well but we're going to finish with third base austin your bus is adabelto mondesi and uh, he's a ninth ranked player on uh, Tristan Cockroft's list here. Why do you, do you not like stolen bases, Austin? Is that what it is? What's going on there? It's not stolen bases. It's the fact that he can't stay on the friggin' field. What was this last year, man? Come on. He played 35 games last year. Um, he played 59, or I guess that's. That doesn't it, count. Yeah. That's, that's the shortened season. He played 102 games in 20, 2018 and, or 2019. Yeah. The dude has not had a complete season until he has a season worth, you know, or that's where he, where we see a, a lot of him. I'm not going to trust. I'm not going to trust no, a number nine ranking. I, well, I would not well, rank him at number nine without a full season. I'm shame not. on me. Shame on me. I'm so used to Adalberto Mondesi just being a top 10 uh, ranked fantasy middle infielder. I didn't realize that he's he's only played over a hundred games one time in his career. But exactly. Every single like from starting from 2018 till I guess 2020, he always ends up with a lot of stolen bases. Even in 2020, he's still 24 in a shortened season. So I guess that's where my mind was because he always 
gets those stolen bases and then everybody justifies that pick because oh well he can get me even on a shortened season he can get me a lot of stolen bases but you're 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 planning your flag firmly on the I am not drafting Adalberto Mondesi uh, argument. Are you? Is that what it is? That's what I'm hearing. No, I'm not drafting him until I can see that until I can see that he plays a full season. Even then, yeah, he's got stolen bases. That's great. But in the 35 games that he played in 2021, he had a 2.30 batting average. <laughs> um, last uh, in 2020, he had a 2.56 batting average. 2019, he had a 2.63 batting average, and his OBP is in the 200s. For a stolen base guy, I'm looking for you to get on base. Yeah. That's great that you can steal 43 bases in 2019, but you know your on-base percentage is 291 in 2019 and it went down to 271 in 2021 in 35 games. I'm not drafting him. Not at number nine. What I need to do is, because I, I, that's an argument that we have here all the time. We had it with Mario when he was uh, a regular uh, guest on this show and Sean about these how we do these stolen bases right I, and i'm on the same boat, boat as you are i do not want to draft a guy just because you can see a lot of bases can he do other things for me besides that and mondesi is a guy i never draft because the price is too high and uh i just um i just I, it would drive me crazy to have a guy like him on my team the, the the guy who only does stolen bases and that's it i mean it's a lot of stolen bases though but like you mentioned he can't stay healthy you have you have other people though that you could get. We I mean we've talked about a few of them. You have people other people that you could rack up the stolen bases with cheaper too. You know, that that will also provide other offensive statistics. It seems like right now Mondesi, the only thing that he can give you is stolen bases, and that's if he's on the field. Yeah, like I said, I would love to just one time just say, all right, well, let's put my money where my mouth is and figure out who these on base guys are who can also supply a lot of stolen bases because usually. You, Mario put it very eloquently and I agree hundred percent with him. I just, I, I couldn't do the, find the words to do it. But basically when it comes to these guys who just steal like a lot of bases, you are trading off certain skill sets for the, that magical stolen base number. So it's hard to find that combination of guy who can, of a highly skilled guy who can get on base with a 330, 340, 350 on base percentage and still steal you a lot of bases. Cause those guys are not, those skillful guys aren't always the fastest guys and are always on teams that are good that don't allow for a lot of stolen bases. So that's, that's essentially the small ball number that yeah, Jonathan yeah, yeah. made, right? Mm -hmm. So the top 10 for that, the people that are going to give you on base plus a little bit of stolen bases, top 10, number one, or let's do number. Let's start at number 10, number 10, Shohei Otani, number 10, <laughs> Tommy Edmond. Yep. There he is again. Mm -hmm. Number, number eight, Trey Turner. Number seven, Jose Ramirez. Number uh, uh, number six, Robbie Grossman. Number five, Nicky Lopez. There yep. he is again. There he is again. Number, number four, Cedric Mullins. Mm. Number uh, three, Starling Marte. Number two, Whit Merrifield. Yep. And number one, Miles Straw. Oh, I like Miles Straw a lot. Uh, yeah. And I also notice a lot of guys on the Royals too. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Royals guys. But I mean, you're looking at also Fernando Tatis Jr., Bo Bichette, Randy Rosarena, Manny Machado, Ozzy Alves, Trevor Story is is right around there in the top 15. So yeah, you know, yeah, there and are a ton of those, a ton of these guys that can give you on base and st and stolen bases. I'm not. I'm. There's too many of them not to, to or to focus on Mondesi. Yeah, I've done that before where I get a guy like Paul Goldschmidt and suddenly my stolen bases are healthy because 
you know, he could steal a lot of bases from the first base position, but also produce so much more that it was not going to hurt me offensively. That's well, what I'm looking 20 for. 22nd in the small ball number. Yeah, imagine that. Uh, Nicky Lopez. Not Nicky Lopez. Uh, oh, okay. Jonathan basically agreeing with you about Edmund Lopez straw. And he's also saying that go visit baseballharmony.com and do your own research, basically. All right. Uh, so that's one guy. My bus is Nolan Aronado. Uh, I mean, if you're in this baseball life Facebook group where we're going live right now, there's a lot of hate for Nolan Aronado. Uh, and he also kind of uh, fell into that trap uh, uh, in his last season in Colorado where his 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 triple slash line was just got awful. And then he gets to uh, St. Louis and it's more of the same thing. Um, and he's right now going as a, what I say, a top 10, top six for a third baseman. I mean, you really got to think about it. Would you rather have Anthony Rendon or Nolan Aronado? And I would personally say I'm a big fan of Anthony Rendon. I know that he can't stay healthy, but I'm a big Anthony Rendon fan to begin with. So that's bias on my part. Chris Bryant, I mean, depending where Chris Bryant goes, I mean, you kind of have to wonder if Chris Bryant can put up a better triple slash line than Nolan Nolan Aronado. Uh, Adalberto Manasi. Well, now you get to a situation where you're you're arguing about home runs versus stolen bases, and Arenado is more durable. So, for all the reasons you just mentioned, um, maybe that's the way to go with Arenado. Matt Chapman, Chapman also struggled last year. Yomankata, uh, Yomankata, unforeseen potential being met there. So, yeah. So I don't know. I I, I guess Nolan Arenado in, in that situation is still a more safer pick. But for me, I rather not. I don't want to deal with them. I don't want to. I don't like what these numbers mean. I'm in an on-base percentage league, and that 312 on-base percentage along with the 303 on-base percentage that he did in Colorado, red flags everywhere. Now you're going to say, well, he had 34 home runs and 105 RBI. Okay, well, he's not, the 105 RBI comes from the fact that a lot of the guys that were in front of him, the Tommy Edmonds of the world, the Paul Goldschmidt of the world that we just mentioned, they were getting on-base for him. And so he was getting a lot of uh, opportunities to drive in those runs. Now, God bless him, he did. But a lot of the other things about him, like, the stack cast numbers, 37% hard hit rate out of the stack cast. That, that's that's a red flag for me. Uh, batted ball, lots of fly balls to get to those, thir- uh, what did I say, 38 home runs? How many did he hit last year? 34 home runs, sorry. 34, 34 home runs, a lot of fly balls. It's, it, it's like he really, really was pushing to hit those fly balls in the hopes that they land on the fences, uh, uh, past the fences, I should say. He pulled the ball more than ever last year as a way to contemplate for the fact that he's no longer in Colorado and he really had to drive the ball to get to those 34 home runs. I don't know, man. That just spells flukiness to me. It really does. So I'm staying away from him. The one good thing about him is that he's always had those really good plate discipline uh, figures. I mean, he doesn't strike out a lot and walks enough where he's still relevant in that department, but uh, not for me, man, not as a top six, not at that price tag. I rather just take my chances elsewhere at third base. Move on to your sleeper, Heimer Candelari. Now, this is a guy we've been kind of waiting for for a very long time as a Cub fan. I know I have. Um, he was one of those uh, prospects uh, that we kind of let, had to let go because we didn't have any room for him. Uh, but he's kind of taken a while to get to that point where we could trust them uh, uh, to speak about him in this function. Why do you like Heimer Candelario come in this upcoming season? Heimer uh, Candelario... I think it's funny that you say that it's taken him a while to get to where you can trust him because when you look at his stats on um, fan graphs, they're actually pretty good. You know, last year he had a 271 average, a 351 OBP. So if you're on an on base league, 351 OBP is pretty good. 
And no. then uh, 443 slugging. Uh, he had a 344 Woba. Last season, he had a 119 weighted runs created plus. The season before, 2020, he had a 138 weighted runs created plus. I mean, he's going to hit you homers. He had 16 homers in Detroit, um, 149 in 149 games. He has a 10.7 walk percentage um, yeah, and a 21.6% K percentage last year. Um, his contact rate, where is it? Outside the, outside the strike zone swing percentage is a little high at 32.3%, but he makes contact with 64% of it. Um, he's making contact with a little less than um, 78.1%. So that's probably a um, that's probably something to be wary of. But he's also projected to have a 111 weighted runs created plus. And when you look at the weighted uh, or when you look at the all ball numbers, he's top 10 for third baseman in both mid ball and big ball in Detroit. So, <laughs> you know, you, the fact that he's got that in Detroit, I think. I think he's worth a look. You know, he's ranked. What is he ranked? What What's his number? 19th. I think he's a little bit better of a prospect to look at than some of those other guys that are on the list that are a little bit higher than him. I think he's worth a look in the, in, you know, in the mid rounds or so. Um, the only thing that you're not going to expect anything from is anything small ball. Don't expect anything stolen bases out of him. Don't expect, you know, you know, things like that. If you're looking for an average guy, like a pure average guy, don't pick up Candelario. But if you're looking for a, you know, a power guy, somebody that's going to hit for um, doubles, you know, I would pick up Candelario. Yeah, and when I say I don't trust the guy, it says that he does lack a lot of power him uh, in terms of home run power. He only had 16 last year, uh, and he's been kind of a hit or miss in terms of, oh, my God. So on my other screen, I'm, I'm looking for my guy, and I keep getting the wrong Urias. Uh, I pick Luis Urias for my player, and I keep clicking on Julio Urias's name. So, no, that's not the Urias I want. I want Luis Urias, who we're going to get to. But, yeah, the only other time that he's hit more than double digits home runs was in 2018 when he hit 19 home runs, and now he's uh, age 28, and it's like, can he take it to that next step? I know it's, I know it's Detroit, but, I mean, we're talking – mostly traditional five by five roto because that's like the, the game that everybody plays the most uh that's a guy you that you kind of worry about now he does come with a pretty decent batting average of two you know he can hit you at 270 or above batting average but for third base you're looking you're really looking for those guys that can drive the ball past the fences the one good thing and this is why i like javier bias and i think jonathan also mentioned about javier bias uh what he lacks in home run power candelario does he will that makes up for it with the 42 doubles. And I think you've mentioned that as well yeah. uh, with the medium ball. So I think that's that's kind of what I foresee with Javier Baez is that at the very least, he'll hit for a lot of doubles. And if you're in a points league, that's going to travel. I'm kind of curious because I'm in a points league. I'm kind of curious to see where Heimer Candelario ranked last year with the low home runs, but with the high amount of doubles. So let's see. In my points league, let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. 13th overall. So... He's right on that doorstep, uh, Austin. He's right on that doorstep. So, but can he take that next step and, you know, really become uh, a guy that everybody needs to seek out as opposed to someone that you can wait on? That's my only concern. Um, but you seem to be confident that he will be that next man up in terms of uh, that position at third base. So we'll see about that. I'm actually looking for him on my cheat sheet that I did last year. And of course, you know, when I need to find something, I can't find jack shit. So as I mentioned, my guy is uh, Luis Urias. 
That's a good pick. I like I like that. Well, I mean, you mentioned Max Muncie uh, qualifying everywhere. Luis Arias also qualifies everywhere. He seems to be a guy that just plays wherever is needed. Although with the kind of the breakout year that he had last year, I'm hoping that those days are gone for him. I really do. But um, Jesus Christ, I can't find Heimer. I know I ranked them last year. And now it's driving me crazy that I can't find him on my cheat sheet because I'm kind of curious to see where I had him. Oh, did he not qualify at third base then? Is that what it is? Uh, coming into last year? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is there. Uh, so anyway, he was my 20. Heimer Candelario was my 22nd ranked first baseman. And he's still kind of in that range at third base as well. But where the hell was he at third base? I can't find him. Luis, uh, while you're looking for that, <laughs> yeah, Luis Arias, in terms of the all-ball statistic, is 10th. Nice. All of third base. Um, so, and that is with... Justin Turner at ninth and you know, I don't really foresee Justin Turner coming back and having a fantastic season um, because he is getting up there. I think he's like 37. Um, But you know, I, I I like to pick with Luis, Luis Arias. Um, I I think that's a really good pick. I almost picked him, but I wanted to go with Candelario to highlight his, um, his middle ball number and the fact that he does hit doubles. Um, I think he will make a little bit of a jump this year. So I know, I think I know what I did uh, last year. I did not uh, rank these players uh, based on the, how many positions that they qualify. So Heimer Candelario, I guess I saw that his primary position was first base. So I just stuck him at first base, but I did put a little note that he does qualify at third base as well coming into last year. Cause DJ LeMahieu only appears at second base, but not at first base and third base. So I think that's what happened. So yeah, Heimer Candelario was my 22nd ranked uh player coming into the last season and he's what what i say 19th according to tristan cockroft at third base so so yeah baby steps are being taken there anyway getting back to luis arias and, and uh we're really uh pressing for time but yeah he had a breakout season so to speak a very quiet breakout year hopefully he gets to stay with more playing time the brewers don't have anyone else to kind of circ- i mean unless you still believe in kessin kiura which that kid, I don't know what the hell's wrong with him. I know Sean has talked about it numerous times about the troubles of Kesson Hiora, but man, he's just so damn talented that you kind of have to be wary of him. But right now, it's Luis Arias's position to lose at this point, according to the Brewers roster resource. Um, so until proven otherwise, I'm treating Luis Arias as a guy who's going to be starting uh, at third base for the Brewers. Uh, in this 2022 campaign. Uh, other than that, other things to like about his stat cast numbers, uh, he uh, 39.6% hard hit rate for a middle infielder because he will qualify a middle infield. Uh, you'll take that. 9.2 barrel rate, you'll take that from a middle infielder as well. Um, he, uh, let's see, and the plate discipline numbers, which is always interesting to see. A pretty patient guy with lots of contact. So there's a lot to like about Luis Arias, and he's ranked pretty low. You can get him cheap, but number 22nd ranked for Tristan Cockroft at third base. Let's move on to Brian Anderson, your number 28th ranked uh, third baseman for Tristan Cockroft's list. He's your deep sleeper. Uh, I drafted him in a lot of my leagues last year, and I was kind of disappointed. Uh, are we? What's going to be different for him this season? I think the difference for him is going to be that I think the Marlins they're not going to be relevant, but I think they're irrelevant, but I think they're going to be a little more relevant this year um, with their young pitching squad. And the fact that they've picked up some pretty decent bats um, for the outfield. Um, You know, he, this one was tough because once I got down to, it seems like you had a really great class at third base, 
until mm-hmm. you didn't. And <laughs> this was this was the part where you're like, until you didn't. Um, you know, there's still a kind of a lot of holes, a lot to be disappointed with when it comes to um when it comes to Brian Anderson. Um, he's got 20, he's got a 24.6% K percentage, um, to a 9.8% walking per, uh, walk percentage. Um, but he had a 99 weighted runs created plus, um, so a league average season. Um, you know, if you're, if you're looking for just like a league average hitter, somebody to like put, you know, somebody to a backup third baseman, I guess you want to say late in the rounds. I think Brian Anderson would probably be your best bet, but honestly, this was just some, this was a pick. I was like, I got to pick somebody and I don't like any of the people down there. So Brian Anderson (laughs) was like the lesser of all of the evils, I guess, Um, because I'm not really stoked about Brian Anderson. Well, there's a lot of guys to like, I mean, I, I just realized that I missed it on Josh Young who uh, we talked about with the Rangers last week. But, yeah, he might be a little bit too raw to trust at this point. Um, I wanted to pick Abraham Toro, but there was something there was something there that I just, I don't know, I didn't trust Abraham Toro, but you picked him. so Yeah, I ended up picking him. But, yeah, once you get to a certain point, uh, I mean, Mike Moustakas, uh, Yandy Diaz. Yeah, and that's uh, what I mean. It was like this yeah. is a great third-base class until it isn't. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of deep sleepers unless you want to count on those young guys who are coming up, and even those guys are going to need some time to to develop. But Abraham Toro, um, yeah, I know Sean was very high on him, uh, and I'm not sure, but I'm not sure why he's ranked so low. I'm I'm kind of curious. I I I double checked the the uh, roster resource to see if there was like some competition going on, and roster resource doesn't have any competition for that uh, third base position. What uh, Kevin? Pat, what the hell's his name? Patlow? He's going to take over? No. Dylan Moore? Oh, God. If you have Dylan Moore playing third base, I'm done with this team. <laughs> but number 34th ranked, Abraham Toro. I, and I don't understand why, because there's a lot to like about him. First of all, his prospect grades. And I know who cares about prospect grades. Those are all, all subjective. But they're pretty interesting to see. He has a really good hit tool and really good speed and raw power. So that's like, wait a minute. We might have something here in terms of like that scoutiness the eye test that people like to look at. I know the numbers don't match up because uh, he, he did, uh, what do you call it? Uh, did not finish with an impressive triple slash line, but there's still a lot to like about him. His team of projections think that he's going to be better this year with a 424 slugging percentage for a young guy like him at the age of 20. Well, he'll be 25, but a guy, an unproven guy like him, I guess I should say. Uh, it, there's a lot to like. We, if we look at the stat cast numbers, there he is for last year. I mean, the exit velocity was low. Uh, what the hell? No, wait a minute. Did I just pick the wrong guy? Oh, okay, well, his expected slugging percentage was supposed to be higher than what it was. His expected WOBA, his weighted on base average, was supposed to be better than what he was. And so was his – a lot of everything that went wrong with him could have gone right is what the what the stack has numbers are saying, despite the, the low exit velocity. Uh, what else? There was something else that I saw. There's a reason why I picked him. Um, and now, now that I'm looking for it, now I can't find it. But uh, <laughs> he likes to spray the ball, I guess, everywhere. is another thing that, compared to some of the other guys we talked about, uh, he does like to spray the ball all over the field. So that's something good to, to have with that, especially from a developing hitter like him. And when you look at his plate discipline numbers, I think that might have been the thing I liked the most. He's a guy who can control his strikeouts, does a lot of contact, just needs to hit that ball with more authority. Uh, maybe it's the minor league numbers that I liked. Hmm, I don't know. 
there was something peculiar. I know when I was doing it, like, yeah, that's my guy, Abraham Toro. And now that I'm looking at it, like, wait, wait a minute. This doesn't look right. But the plate discipline numbers, he, he takes his walks, controls his strikeouts. So that's a plus. Uh, we, I think the arrow is definitely up on him. Uh, he, ha- he has the third base position all to himself unless the Mariners do something unexpectedly when the lockout is over. But uh, they traded for him. This is the guy that they wanted. So, you know, might as well see what he can do for your team. Um, you don't although- think they're in on Bryant? Oh, boy, and that is a wild card, but just like with Bryant, I mean, he plays all over the place. Uh, let's see. If you bring in Bryant, then what? You, 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 that means you, you want to count on Jake Fraley to be your everyday left fielder? I mean, I don't want Jake Fraley to be my everyday left fielder. Do you want him to be your everyday – Jake Fraley to be your everyday left fielder? Is that what you're saying over there? No. That's not I, what I'm saying. The projections are that he Jake Fraley can be a 10-10 guy, but are we really going to bench – Abraham Toro just to make room for Jake Fraley. I don't think so. I, I just, I don't know, man. It just feels like the Mariners went out of their way to trade away a really good reliever to Houston. Well, yeah. And they made a lot of the Mariners mad by getting rid of Kendall Graveman for Abraham Toro, who by yeah. the way is now on the white Sox. who Kendall Graveman. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. I thought Abraham Toro got traded too. What the hell? Uh, okay. So here's something to like 2019 double a numbers. Uh, he, Abraham Toro hit a hundred one fifty three WRC plus and at triple a, he was in 2019, 179 WRC plus. Uh, so the guy has a proven track record in the minors. The counting stats aren't always going to be there for him, but everything else about him says that, yeah, that's I think that's what it was. 393 on base percentage in 2019 and double a 513 slugging percentage in double a in 2019. Uh, and when he was at triple a last season in 2021 and very uh, in only 17 games, triple slash on a 352, 485, 593. So I think that's what I saw was that, Hey, this guy has proven to be a pretty good hitter at the minor leagues. I want to see more of it to see if he can figure out uh, if he can figure it out in the major leagues. I mean, the plate discipline numbers are are there to that he should be a guy who's gonna who's just gonna uh, be a very pleasant surprise for the upcoming season. And that is it. That's all. I mean, it took longer than I expected. I mean, no, actually, it did not. But at least we didn't hit the two hour mark, right? Unless we did. Who cares? We got a lot covered. We got Jonathan uh, in the comments continuing to uh, provide the all all ball numbers and all warps numbers, I believe as well. I'm still kind of, that's still a kind of a new statistic for me. So I'm kind of a butchering. So I do apologize for that, but he's providing more Intel, more information. I don't know what more you guys people would need at this point, right? You're getting all the information you can handle for your, uh, not just for the fantasy season next season, but uh, just in major league baseball in general to see how these teams infields are going to stack up and maybe see some surprises and not just in fantasy, but also in, in real, for those real life baseball fans who don't play fantasy baseball as well. All right. Uh, any last words from you, Austin? Um, I don't think so. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, you can find my other podcast that I'm on or that is basically mine uh, round <laughs> trippers. <laughs> I mean, it is mine. Uh, <laughs> you can find, you can find the round trippers podcast on tri- on, t- on, t- on Twitter, on Twitter, at the handle at the Twitter handle round underscore trippers. Um, you can find me in the baseball life uh, podcast. You can email me at round trippers podcast at gmail.com. If you want to leave some feedback, um, you can. Uh, the other thing that I want to say is tune in tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're breaking down our greatest winter holiday movie, Christmas movie, whatever you want to call it, bracket of all time. Yeah. Um, we're breaking it down to the final four 
tonight. So it'll come down to the four best movies in our tournament. So don't miss that. It is going to be with me, Vince, and Jake. Uh, Vince from Dong City and uh, Jake Schwartz, who is uh, part of our pop culture life group and a lot of our life groups. Um, don't miss that. We're going to be live on Facebook tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. So I don't know. Jonathan says that the reason I picked Abraham Toro was because I was hungry and I, I was thinking about sushi. What does I mean, that I even mean? Hungry. But what does that mean, though? Toro means bull in Spanish. Is there like a sushi roll that's named after Toro? I don't know. Let's look. Toro. The Abraham roll. Abraham roll. He takes his firstborn into the hill and see if you can sacrifice him for. Anyway, now I'm getting biblical here. You can find me on Twitter at pathological underscore the letter H, the number eight pathological hate. Uh, Jonathan is also on Twitter. Uh, if he wants to be so kind and let us know what his Twitter handle is, because I don't have it memorized. Melvin is on Twitter as well. Go follow him. Uh, I forgot his Twitter handle as well, but I'm pretty sure if he's listening, he can post it and you guys can follow him there. Uh, be sure to subscribe, not just to our podcast, which is a part of the total basis podcast underneath the life group podcast umbrella on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, we're everywhere. Also make sure to follow Austin's podcast on red Ron trippers. I'm sorry. Did you mention when your next podcast is going to be on Ron trippers? Uh, probably sometime next week, next week. All or, right. No, I take that back. It'll be in a couple of weeks. Couple. Oh, okay. So you're on vacation. You're on hiatus. Uh, no yeah, I'll be break. I'll be going on vacation in a few days, and then um, and then we'll be back uh, probably after the Christmas holiday. Awesome, awesome. Good to see. You. I'll be looking out for that. Uh, and again, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Make sure you follow us on YouTube, Apple, uh, Stitcher, all those other podcast platforms. For Felipe, uh, uh, that's awesome over there. Have a good one, everybody. See you later. See you later, everybody.